God, we want to thank you for this this holiday season, this season of Jesus. Lord, I'm especially thankful that that we have been able to focus on just some really basic things about you, about the, the hope of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. And God, I pray that you would continue to drive those things home deep into our soul, that you would bring to light the things that rob us of the hope and the joy and the peace that we have in you, and that we would stand firm knowing that it's you that bring those things to us and nothing else. And so, God, this morning as we talk about your love, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, you know, the last candle, I'm sorry, little side note, I had to laugh. Joel and Amy were really cool because he, he gets up there. How long you guys been married for? Six months. Click. No. I mean, that was just like. <laughs> so you have to understand, Joel is still in training, okay? Like, like, us guys have been married for a long time. We know. We've already been trained. So when we can look out and go, oh, he's in training still. <laughs> that was awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, where was I? Um. Right, love. Okay, so the last candle that we lit this morning is the candle of love. And I really wrestled this week on where to go with this whole idea of love, God's love, because it's this huge theme in the Bible. And there's so many different things and so many different directions you can go in with it. You can go, you know, he first loved us, that's why we love him. You can go 1 Corinthians love, you know, the whole patience and kindness thing and how we're supposed to love each other that way and it's because God loves us that way. Then you can go Romans 12 where it talks about love being sincere and that's all about the community of love. But even though we're called to to love in that way with each other, God still loves us that way. So I really kind of wrestled with Man, where, where to go with this thing? Because, you know, I don't, it's hard not to preach on love and not have it be just a little Hallmark-esque. I mean, there's just no way around that. I mean, you have to get a little, a little mushy, a little feel good. So everybody should walk out a little spring in their step this morning, and that's okay. We'll go fire and brimstone January 8th. Be here. Um, so as, as, I, as I was reading the scriptures and I began to study through and, and try, to, try to get my focus, I realized that God had been setting this up in me weeks and weeks ago. Because I was uh, in my time of, of prayer and meditation, and I came across a story in the, one of the Gospels about Jesus, and I read this story a thousand times. Okay, maybe not a thousand, but a lot. And I always had this, this thought process of what was taking place. And then the Lord began to just unpack it and unfold it for me. And it was good for me then, weeks ago. But then, as I was preparing for today, I was seeing how this was all just kind of interweaving with this morning's message. And so I, I kind of got down and, and, I, and I got a little serious with prayer. I said, God, okay, if you're going to connect this, you need to, you need to connect this. And so this is where I believe the Lord wants us to go in the context of Advent and the context of what love is. And I do believe that this is a very foundational teaching. I don't think you're going to hear anything new. And if you do, praise God. And if you don't, you probably need to hear it again Anyway, so we're going to go to Romans first, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. 
Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his early life was a descendant of David and through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to faith and obedience for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So here we have Paul. He's writing this letter to the Romans. This letter is one of those letters that will, it will scramble your theological and mental eggs if you actually sit down and read it. This is the letter, and I've said this to you before, that I hope now I have another 14 years before I'm 60. I hope that by the time I'm 60, I will be able to preach through the letter of Romans, I feel then I may be spiritually mature enough to get it, and then I'm going to retire or die. So you got me for another probably 17 years, probably take us three years to go through that letter. So I digress. So anyway, Paul is writing this letter, and he begins, he begins to just say, listen, I am a servant of Jesus Christ, and I have been set apart for the gospel by grace. Oh, wait. Is that where I want to go? Oh, no, it's not. Okay. Okay, so now here we have Paul right here. He's talking, he's talking about the gospel that was promised to his people beforehand. So here's the thing. God, before Jesus came, he had this thing all planned out. He had it all worked out. The gospel was the gospel before we even recognized or heard about the gospel, the good news. And he says that it was promised in the prophets it was promised in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a prophetic voice all through it. From Genesis to, to the end of it, what is it, uh, the Italian guy, uh, Malachi, right? Genesis through Malachi is all pointing to Jesus Christ. Everything, what's so, am I wrong? No, it's Mal, no, Malachi, no, that's not, that's not his Italian name. It's Malachi is his Italian name. So it all points to Jesus Christ, the whole thing. And it's been promised. And as it, as it unfolds, as God unfolds the history and the Psalms and all of those the, the stories of the kings, that it all unfolds, it's all pointing to Jesus. All pointing to Jesus. Who he is and who and what, is he, what was he going to do, it's all there. And Paul, Paul brings that to light. And then he's going to talk about a few of the characteristics. He says, as to his earthly life. As to his earthly life, Jesus was the son of David. He was a descendant of David. But as to his spiritual life, he is the son of God in all power and all holiness. He says that that power from God has, has caused him to rise from the dead, ultimately being our Lord. And Paul wants to set the stage. This is the introduction to his letter. And he's setting the stage for what he's about to talk about. And he continues through. He says, this is the part I start. Okay. He says that I have been called by grace and apostleship. That means it's by the grace of God only that Paul has been sent out into the world for a purpose, for a divine, the divine reason to accomplish something, to do something. And that is to call all Gentiles to faith and obedience. Paul has a job. And I, and I like, I like there. It's not like a few, most, many. It's all people are going to get the call of God. Not all people will respond to that call, but he wants to make sure that we know that everyone has the opportunity to be called by 
God to believe in Jesus. And then the last statement here is the one that really kind of got a hold of me this week. And, and this is where things started to make the connection for me. It says here, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, if Paul was here 2011 in Oasis Church, I believe he might stand up on this chair just like this, and he would look out to all of you, and he would be dressed really funky, and so you would probably, your eyes would be on him just like they're on me, and he would go, and he would say to you, and he would point to you, and you, you Gentiles, you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. That's a huge and powerful statement. That's, that's big news, and that's also good news. Because it's not just some um, random invitation from God, like, hey, you know, listen, if you got nothing better to do, you know, if you're not really busy, you might want to just kind of, you know, check out Jesus as an option, maybe. No, no, no. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is the, the God that knit you together in your mother's womb, that knew your name before you were born, that has your days numbered, that, that those who follow Jesus now, your name is written in the book of life. That God, through grace and power, has invited you, invited you, called you in grace and power to become part of his kingdom. That's no light little invitation I would argue that's one you don't want to turn down either. And this is, this is what Paul is writing. This is to what he's getting to. He is reaching out and calling you to belong. And that belonging is the love of God. That calling is the love of God. And ultimately, that's the Christmas story. Jesus came to, to, be, to call you to him, to himself, that you may be reconciled with God. You've been called to belong. All of humanity gets the call. All of the humanity has the opportunity to respond. And you know, if we look at this idea of belonging from a, a purely uh, humanistic point of view, to belong is very, it's very central to who we are. It's something that runs very deep within us. It's important to belong. And it's hard to put a definition on it, like a, a universal definition on belonging. I mean, we can get like superficial what it means to belong. And I understand that. But something that's so central, something that is such, is, just runs so deep in us is hard to define because belonging can be expressed many different ways. You belong to a person, you belong to a relationship. You belong to a role, a vocation, a community. You belong to a group of friends. You belong to a club. You belong to a church. Ultimately, you belong to God. And so there's all these nuances about what it means to, be, to belong. And I would argue, if I was an arguing man, I, would, I believe that in that belonging, it gives us the freedom to live our life. It gives us the freedom to explore what this big old world has in store. Let me give you an example. Have you ever watched little children, uh, young children that are just beginning to walk? And say mom and dad are out somewhere and it's, a, it's not a familiar environment for them. They're just starting to walk, right? And so 
the, the young child will sit with mom and dad for a while, but then it, 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 it kind of gathers some chutzpah. It starts to get a little comfortable, and it starts to venture out to explore wherever it is. Maybe they want to go play with something. Maybe there's some other kids they want to play with. And so they kind of take a few steps, and they venture out. But if you will notice, and if you will watch, those children will eventually return to their parents. They will come back, and even on, on certain intervals, just to come in and almost like touch base. They have to almost report in. And it's because because mom and dad have this sense of security for them. It's a place of safety. It's a place that they belong. And they don't, they don't, they're not out there running around going, well, my mom and dad love me. And so that means that they give me a house. And if I have a house and they love me, that means I must belong to them. So I must go check in with them. No, no, this is something that they don't even think about. It's just naturally within them. And it's that belonging that gives those little kids the courage to take a few steps out, a few steps away, to go investigate. But then they come back to the safety, the safety of mom and dad, to those arms. Do you ever watch a child that falls asleep not in their own home? What do they do? They crawl up into mom or dad's lap, and they lay there, and they're tired. Why? Because there's something about belonging that brings us to a place of security and safety. But it also gives us the opportunity to venture out and be free and to live the life that, that we've been called to live. Now, we all know what it's like to feel like we belong, right? To be accepted, to be part of the in crowd, to, to be part of the group, to uh, have value within a, a, the group of people. But we've also, as we grow, know what it feels like not to belong, to be on the outside looking in, not to be part of the group. This idea is so connected to who we are as a people, I really believe that unless we belong in in healthy environments, unless we belong, we will not grow. We will not grow as, as human beings, and we will definitely not grow emotionally and spiritually healthy. And it's, you see, it's so strong and it pulls us and compels us so much to belong to something. It's why people will stay in abusive relationships. It's why people will stay there because it's better to belong to something than to belong to nothing. It's why kids will join gangs, gangs that are about drugs and fighting and they'll risk their lives to belong to a family because it's better to belong to something than it is to nothing. When Mike and I were in Africa, in Eldoret, where Hope's Home International is, uh, there's about a population of street kids there that run about 3,000. And the majority of these street kids are addicted to glue, sniffing glue. And so what happens is uh, they call them drug lords. These guys go to the store. You can buy this glue over the counter. They go to the store. They supply these kids with glue, and then they get them all stoned on the glue, and they send them out to beg and to steal and to bring money back to them where this guy buys them more glue. And what these kids do, I saw the, a couple walking down the street. They take a soda bottle, and they put the glue in a soda bottle, a plastic soda bottle, and they glue it to their bottom lip. And they glue it to the bottom lip, and they just inhale the fumes from the glue all day long. And, they, and these kids were walking down the street with a soda, bot, soda bottle glued to their lip stoned on this glue. Now, let's not even talk about the neurological damage that it causes from sniffing glue for years and years and years. But these kids are a victim of a society that puts very little value on their lives. They're orphans. They're kids that have run away 
run away from abusive families. They're kids that their families have just kicked them out because they don't want them. One of the kids you saw in our video, Judah, was thrown down a pit latrine at four months old. You know what's at the bottom of a pit latrine? Exactly, and that's where they found him. Children are discarded that way in Africa. And so they have this, these communities of street kids that live together, and they live together in their addiction, and they live together as social outcasts on the street. Even the police do not think it odd to beat them to death because it's happened. They're dogs. They're nothing. And if they get out of hand, you beat them. It happens over and over again. Now, when, when uh, young women, young girls find themselves out on the streets, some of them decide that they are going to become part of these, these, these communities of, of street kids because they're alone on the street and they don't know what to do. And they go into this knowing that the first time they engage, they are going to be raped repeatedly, six, eight times. And it may happen over many days. And that six, eight times is like in a day. But they'll go through it because at the end of that, they are going to be accepted into this community of street kids. You see the pull of belonging in the human spirit. They would rather belong to something, no matter how dysfunctional it is, than to be alone and belong to absolutely nothing. And so it's built into us. It's part of us, the desire, the strong pull to belong. And what Paul is saying here in that one sentence, that you, you have been called first and foremost to belong to Jesus Christ. You have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Julian of Norwich would say it this way, and she's a mystic from the 1300s. She says, our faith, is nothing else but a right understanding and a true belief and a sure trust that with regard to our essential being, we are in God and he is in us. In regards to our essential being, we are in God and he is in us. We have been called to belong and that is the love of God. And when you begin to get that understanding, it begins to give you true security. When you understand that deep within your soul, it allows you to begin to grow. And when you begin to understand that, it will set you free as a Jesus follower to go out and engage the world and live your life for the kingdom of God. You have been called to belong. Now, remember I said that... Uh, there's a story in one of the Gospels that really kind of, kind of sent this idea of belonging home and, and living. And it's, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 25. It says this, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on a lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why 
did you doubt? So let's set up the story. Jesus is ministering. He's got a bunch of people. Uh, he sends them away. He tells the boys, take off. I'll catch up with you later. Jesus goes off to pray, takes a little downtime, a little quiet time. The boys are in the middle of the pond. Jesus decides, I'm going to go meet them. I'm just going to kind of walk out there. And so Jesus is walking on water, and the boys see him, and they freak out. They think it's a ghost. Jesus is like, Take a chillaxative. It's only me. I'm Jesus. Relax a little bit. And then you got Peter. And you got to love Peter. Peter's like, all right, Jesus, man, if it's you, just like call me out there. Let me walk on the water. And what's Jesus say? Come on. And, what's, and it, says, it says Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. And then he gets a little afraid. And then the fear turns into probably some major freaking out. And Jesus got to reach out his hand and he's got to save him. And I love the words that he says to Jesus. Uh, I love the words that Jesus says to Peter. You of little faith, why did you doubt? And as I always read the story over and over again, it was always my assumption or my belief that it was always talking about that Peter doubted that he could walk on the water. But then I was thinking about it and really, why would you doubt that you can do something that you're already doing. Unless, you, unless Peter just turned into an instant weenie right there, but I, I, I don't know. Why would you doubt? And, and I'm sure there was like, oh my goodness, look at, look at the wind, and I'm going to sink, and Jesus has to step in. I, I get that. But there's something much deeper, I believe, going on here. Now stay with me. Peter is a disciple. He is one of the big 12 that are very, very close to Jesus. He is in this tight-knit community with the other guys, with Jesus. Peter belongs to this group. Peter belongs in this tight-knit group of guys that have been living together, ministering together, eating together, playing together, traveling together, together. And so for him, this sense of belonging goes way beyond just something that he could he can conjure up or, or explain. It, it's, it's embedded deep down within his soul. He knows he belongs. He knows he belongs in this group with Jesus. And he feels at this moment that he has the freedom. He feels at this moment that he has the security to explore and to kind of to kind of take a few chances with this Jesus guy. And so that's what he does. Peter's like, "Let me come out to you." Jesus is like, "Okay, come." And Peter steps out of the boat. And you see his sense of belonging and his sense of calling gave him the bravery to actually get out of the boat and walk on water. But then something happens. Some, the wires get crossed, and something begins to go awry. And I don't think now, or I don't fully believe now, it was just that he got scared, and he just thought he couldn't walk on water anymore. Maybe, just maybe, let me pose this question to you, that Peter not only began to doubt his calling, Jesus called him, come on, but on a deeper sense, in a deeper level, he doubted he doubted that he belonged. And so as he looked around, he got freaked out. He doubted his calling. He doubted his belonging. And when those doubts began to take over in him, he began to get sucked under by the circumstances he found himself in. See, I'm thinking his eyes were on Jesus the whole time. 
help. Jesus has to reach out his hand and grab him. And so you of little faith, you of little faith, why, why do you doubt that the love of God has been poured out upon you? Why do you doubt that you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ? I don't think it was condescending at all what Jesus said to him. I don't think it was sarcastic at all. It was almost a a hurt. Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt that you belong to me? And you see, when you allow that doubt to creep into your own mind, into your heart, you begin to get sucked under by your circumstances. This whole Advent season, these last four weeks, we've been talking about the things that God has called us to as his people. And we said that we are called to place our hope in him and in him alone. Not in the things of this world, not in the things that we can accomplish, not in the things that that we think that we can get done or we think that other people can do for us. We are called to put our hope in him alone. And we are called to find peace Find our peace in him and in him alone to allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to lead us to a place of walking in harmony with the creator of all things. We don't find peace in in not having conflict. We find peace in the very presence of God within all situations and all things. These, these, are what, these are the things that we're called to, that the Spirit would open us up to the inward journey of spiritual health and spiritual rest and spiritual fullness, all of those things, that we find our peace in the transformative power of the presence of God within your very heart and soul. That's where your peace is. And then we said last week that, we find that, that we're called to the joy of the Lord, that we would live an active expression of God's joy out in the world. And by doing that, we will always have to remember in all things and in all situations, no matter what you're going through, good, bad, indifferent, God wins. God wins. In everything, God wins. And church, I'm telling you that if we want to live in the hope of the Lord and in the joy of the Lord and in the peace of the Lord, then we have to know and believe and get a hold of this idea beyond the shadow of a doubt. Let it resonate deep within our heart, deep within our soul, that you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You have a calling on your life to belong to Jesus Christ. This is the love of God at a very foundational level. And it's been poured out upon you. You've been called. You've been called to belong. Just like that little child will run back to its mom and dad. Not with a conscious decision of going, oh, I need to go back to the person I belong to. I hope I still belong to them. No, no, no. It's just inherent in who they are. It needs to become that for you. You belong. Why don't you say it with me? Say, I belong. I belong to Jesus Christ. I have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. 
That is where the freedom lies in the gospel. You have called to, you have been called to belong. But you know those, those little voices in your head, they start to get a hold of you, right? And, and they start to, to whisper, like, how can God really love me? How can he really love? Look at what I've done. I'm a broken mess. How can I, my own family doesn't want me to belong to them. How can God want me to belong to them? And you start to run those those words through your heart and your soul. And you start to doubt. Here's your cure. 1 John chapter 3 says this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Maybe you've asked yourself, how can I really belong to God when everything I've done in my life or everything I'm doing in my life pushes against everything that God would have for me? And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're at that point and if you're wrestling with that, you are at a good place. Because that means actually the Spirit of God is doing something within you, causing you to think and to, and to reflect and, and look inside. And maybe you're not perfect. No, well, let's see if a show of hands. Anybody here perfect? We're all in really good dysfunctional company, that means. And so you don't have to be perfect to come to God. But when your heart begins to condemn you and everything that you're doing begins to condemn you, maybe we can answer the question this way. God knows you better than you know yourself. God understands you better than you can understand yourself. God knows your heart better than you know your own heart. He knows everything. It's kind of scary, huh? And so, in our weakest, most feeble attempt at walking in harmony with the things that he's called us to walk into. In our failures, when we hang our head and go, oh, God will look into your heart and he will see that many times, even in the failure, it was motivated by a pure and true desire to do the right thing. And that's where I believe Jesus spoke those words, the spirit is willing the flesh is weak. He knows everything. And yet he still has called you to belong to Jesus Christ. So in any and every situation, when you begin to doubt God's love for you, when you begin to doubt that you have been called to belong to him, no matter how much your heart condemns you, no matter how much your soul condemns you, you can always know this, that those who come before the Lord through Jesus Christ, asking for forgiveness, will be forgiven every single time. Good news. Gospel. In fact, I believe that we walk because of Jesus. Those who have claimed Jesus as their own, as their Messiah, as their Lord, as their Savior, we actually walk in a perpetual state of forgiveness. Maybe you've heard me say, what if I sinned and then stepped out in the street and got hit by a car and forgot to ask for forgiveness? Do I go to hell? Because it's one little sin, man. It's, it's, it's that calling your brother a fool, you're in danger, the fires of hell. That's what the scripture says. I'm not making this stuff up. No, we walk in a perpetual state of God's forgiveness. That doesn't give you license to be a jerk. 
but you walk forgiven because you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. When your heart condemns you, know that God is greater than your heart and he knows everything. And so see, Advent, these past four weeks have very little to do with, with Christmas. You know what I mean? It's, it's, this, is, this is a way of life. This is a way that, I mean, the simple things, hope, peace, joy, and love. These are the things that we are called to walk in. This is the JV stuff. This is the 101 class. This is not about December. This is about the rest of your life. And many of you this morning need to put a stake in the ground right here today to say, you know what? I am no longer going to allow the lies that come into my head that tell me that there is no hope that tell me that I cannot live in peace with God, that tell me that there is no joy in this world, and that tell you that you are not loved or you do not belong. It's time to put a stake in the ground and say, I will no longer doubt. Or else you'll find yourself sucked under by the situations and the circumstances that that are around you. Do not fall prey as Peter did. Stand firm in who you are. Child of God. Belonging to Jesus Christ. Called, not because you've done something worth being called, but because there's a divine love that goes way beyond what we can ever understand. Or imagine. Pray. God, I want to thank you for this calling of belonging in our lives. God, I just don't let us take it lightly. Just really just explode these truths in our life. Let us see the strength of hope and joy and peace and love. And let us walk with our heads held high. And Lord, I pray that we would not let it we would not let it end with us, but we would just be giving this stuff away. But Lord, we can't give things away that we don't believe we, we possess. And so I pray that you would just open up truth to us all. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.